folks. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt. This is Dalton. Dalton, I'm a little worried about the podcast. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I think you know um, my goal since the beginning. How many episodes have we done? Like almost 40, I think. That's nuts. I know. But, But, I mean, since the very first episode, it's been my kind of goal to get listeners into... The double digits. And I know that's been a goal of yours, too. Um, and so I'm wondering maybe if we need to broaden our appeal a little bit. What do, what do you think? Okay, okay. I'm thinking maybe um, some, like, sound effects and maybe some zany comedy characters. Uh, all right. I thought I was the zany comedy character, but, but fine. We'll have, like, Edna, the church secretary who can't do her job, like, come in every now and then. okay. Okay. Yeah. Because I was listening to Rick and Bubba the other day, which I'm sure you were. Dynamite, dynamite stuff on their show. Have, <laughs> you, have you listened to it lately? No, uh, no, I can't say that I have. Yeah, they had like Bob the Redneck call in, and, and uh, they're playing us some good records too. So I think maybe if we just kind of broaden this appeal a little bit, we'll, we'd do a lot better. I think we can maybe squeeze out another five listeners out of that. Or, or we could just change the name of the podcast to Serial. Yeah, I think that would work too. So, all right, go. I, as always, I've done very little preparation or research for this episode. So why don't you tell us what we're talking about? <laughs> we're talking. We're, so we're we're talking a little bit about denominationalism, but in a very specific way today. What we want to talk about is the relationship between the denomination and the local church, and eventually get a little bit into how how we as pastors understand that relationship and how we talk about it, um, because there's a tension there between. The fact that we are an affiliated, connected uh, church as United Methodist, most uh, all denominations are connected in some way, um, and most churches are connected in even uh, in loose affiliations. But the question is, how do you talk about that stuff in a way that honors it and honors the importance there, but um, but doesn't uh, eat up too much of your airtime? Um, there's a couple of reasons I've had this on my mind. One is that the, the I've been involved some at the general and jurisdictional church level. Um, but also the thing that really made me start thinking about it is Matt has a new job. I don't know that you said that yet. No. Um, yeah. Is it, is it right to promote it? I mean, I think you can at least say what it is unless you want to go yeah. into hiding. Okay. Well, uh, so I'm now the the uh, director of uh, the UMVIM SEJ, which for those of you who aren't Methodist or just don't care, even if you're in a Methodist church, the United Methodist Volunteers Admission um, Office for the Southeast Jurisdiction. So that will mean almost nothing to everybody who's listening. So, In some ways now, as a person who works for the jurisdiction, you are the man. And I don't mean like nothing but you're a awesome. Suit. Yeah. I mean I, like I'm, you're I'm the in, authority. I'm in the ivory tower. I have no idea what's going on in the local church. <laughs> I'm completely disconnected, which is is not a new role for me. Um, when, I, when I first actually came back in the conference, I was appointed to a, a conference position over missions. And, I'm, and and this was like my very first appointment. And so I was, you know, fresh out of seminary, well, a year out of seminary, very idealistic, thought, you know, I could change the world um, fairly easily if I would just open my mouth and speak these prophetic words that have been <laughs> 
forming in my head for years and years. But what I found was when I would be invited to speak at a local church or when I would offer to come and meet with a Sunday school class or a small group or preach at a worship service, and particularly in rural and small churches, they would more often than not seem very nervous. And the more I did this and the more this happened, I came to realize that a lot of the smaller local churches were just afraid that I was sent on behalf of the bishop to spy on them and shut them down, Um, that somehow I was an arm of the annual conference and they had felt a threat to their, uh, there was a threat to their own existence. And just in those, those years that I worked there, I mean, there was such an extreme disconnect between what was going on in the local church and what was going on at the annual conference or the jurisdictional conference or the general conference level. Yeah, that's a challenge. I, I think there's probably a couple of reasons there. We, we run into trouble when we, um, when we completely forget what happens at the denominational level because that's the level that sets policy. I mean, and, and the same thing on a smaller scale in some ways with the jurisdictional level, although, um, I mean, this will be a little geeky for United Methodist folks, I'm convinced that jurisdictional conference is much more important than general conference because in our system, Mm -hmm. bishops have almost unfettered a point of authority um, to put whoever they want wherever they want to go and uh, wherever they want to put them. And that's what it means to be Methodist. So, so uh, I guess that sort of leads me to the, to the dilemma that I'm thinking through and that you're living out right now, Matt, as uh, a member of the, the ruling elite. <laughs> well, h- how, do you, how do you deal with the tension in terms of what's um, both what it means to be a denominational congregation uh, and, and also a local church, but um, in terms of what ha- what's happening at that level? And, and maybe in a minute we can get into the particular stuff related to the commission on the way forward. When I go into local churches and speak or, or whatever, and I start talking about UMVIM and start ticking off these acronyms that, yeah. are, uh, that make up some of the structure of the United Methodist Church, Often I can kind of see their eyes, the people I'm talking to, their eyes will kind of glaze over and, you know, half of them will reach in their pockets and get out their smartphones and start, you know, (laughs) fiddling with them or whatever. And honestly, I don't blame them. I mean, if, if faith, if, if following Jesus is about learning a list of acronyms, I don't think anybody wants to be a part of that. Um, we, we, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, you know, what agency we're with. And, and sometimes one can make the argument what denomination we're with, we're <laughs> there to try and follow Jesus. Now, yeah. when someone like me walks in the local church and starts saying, well, I'm from VIM or GBGM or, or whatever, and folks are not sure if they're supposed to be impressed or, or confused, <laughs> um, at the end of the day, we work for the local church. We're there to be a resource for the local church. Yeah. And that is pretty much, I mean, if you could boil our job description down, it would be that. We're there to help the local church. 
to be a resource for them to live out their faith. That said, I am still surprised at the number of United Methodist clergy that do not understand or know the denominational structure of the United Methodist Church. It it is amazing and disheartening to me. And the argument that I've heard some people make is, well, the denomination is not where the action happens. That's not the the place where people meet Jesus. And and that's true. After General Conference, um, James Howell said to me, and uh, on a day when I needed to hear this, remember that General Conference is not the church. And thank God, because General Conference was a nightmare. Um, But but it doesn't mean that that doesn't matter and that it doesn't matter deeply, that the decisions that are made there play out in the local church. They aren't the church, but they play out in the church in very, very important ways. And so until we can get to a place where we honor that this is our system, and if you don't like it, there's other systems, um, then we're, we're not going to I don't, I don't know what we're doing, right? I mean, th- there's no, like, Scripture does not give me, uh, as a pastor, a good framework for how to do local church in the 21st century. I mean, it gives me some principles, and it gives me a clear mission, but, you know, there's nothing about the finance committee in, what well, to the extent there is something about the finance committee in the book of Acts, it says that everybody sold everything and put everything together. To your point, um, I was listening, I think it was a TED Talk I was listening to, um, and I can't remember what the topic was, but the remark was made that it is not presidents or Congress or, you know, representatives, senators that really make the biggest impact on the lives of the American people. It's actually mayors, and they have... um, the potential to have the most impact on the lives of the people living in their city. In terms of day-to-day, you see results and you you feel the effects of, of policy decisions and changes. And I really think you can say the same with the local church, right? The, the, the more localized you get in the structure of the United Methodist Church, uh, the closer you get to the impact. The, the local church makes the biggest impact in terms of uh, uh, gathering disciples, of, of leading people in this journey. And so the pastor is there to make an impact on the ground, and they are the biggest catalyst for that right. to happen. The pastor is the biggest catalyst for making that impact happen on the ground. She or he... Um, They are there to help guide and direct the lives of their congregation members and community members as they follow Jesus. So there's a podcast I listen to that's um, sponsored by Baptist Seminary. And the the tagline, the like motto for the Baptist Seminary is something along the lines of at this seminary where we believe that the local church is plan A for God's redemption of the world and there is no plan B. And I, I, I like that a lot because the, the, the denomination isn't structured to make disciples on its own. The jurisdiction isn't. The agencies aren't. The church is. Um, what podcast is this? What was, I, what was I, it again? It's um, Rainer on Leadership, I think, is the one. 
Tom Rainer's podcast. He's the Lifeway guy. Okay. Um, he's Baptist, which is part of the reason why the local church is so f- featured there. But I mean, I don't disagree sure. with it. He's right. That's the that's the most important place. Um, let me tell you where I where I run into trouble is that there are things that happen at the denominational level that impact my work as a pastor. And what I struggle with is how to talk about that. Um, and I, I give you an example, and then I'll tell you the thing that I've got on my mind uh, nowadays. I mean, the example is General Conference, I said, was a nightmare. I was there as a reserve delegate, and it was like the low point of my spiritual life. And I served mm-hmm. a congregation at the time that had a high population of LGBTQ people who were very interested in what happened at General Conference because it impacted their lives very deeply. And sure. so... Um, you know, not only was I ha- having to figure out how to translate what happened there or what didn't um, to the folks in my congregation, I had to also like deal with my own grief over it because I had a lot of grief about it. The, but uh, there came a point in that conversation where people were like, okay, we're tired of hearing about general conference, which was fair. I get that. What, what I'm struggling with, though, is that in the life of our denomination, we're in a very critical time. And uh, there, there's a, a group of, I think, 32 members, the Commission on a Way Forward, which has been assembled by the United Methodist Council of Bishops. This was an, is- an initiative of the General Conference to try to find a way to basically keep the denomination together to move through our impasse on issues of full inclusion of LGBTQ people. And um, the, the reason I'm struggling is I want to focus on the local church. What's, this is where the action is. This is where people's hearts and lives are changed. But I also want the local church that I serve, I should say the local church is I serve because I serve more than one, um, I, I want them to be ready for what could happen because something significant is going to happen, be it a huge restructure that impacts us at the local level or a denominational split that does, like one bishop said, cuts the church apart with a rusty knife. I, I just don't have an answer for how to deal with that, but it's coming. And my feeling is that churches, because they don't have an answer for how to deal with it, are ignoring it. And that is going to be yeah. a complete, complete train wreck uh, when when 2019 and the new general conference comes about, because those churches will be completely unprepared for the fact that whether they like it or not, they're going to have to change and change very significantly. Well, and I think the other thing with this too is, um, you know, for, for, for lay people, I mean, the local church is, is very important. I mean, you know, this is why, uh, lay people get so invested in their local church because they've seen their, their kids baptized there. You know, they, they were married in the sanctuary. They were, you know, they've gone through some of the biggest, um, and, and happiest and, and sometimes worst points in their lives. And it, has revolved around the church, you know, the death of a loved one or, yep. or a, a, a wedding or, or whatever. But at the same time, um, it's not as if the uh, denomination is like the government, say. It's not as if the, when the denomination sets a policy or puts something in the book of discipline, if a layperson, let's say, you know, does something contrary to that, I mean, they don't, you know, they're not indicted and right. they don't go to jail or right. anything. I mean, they, they, I guess technically they could be kicked out. I mean, certainly clergy could and lose their pensions, but it's, it's, um, it's not compulsory to, 
to kind of follow the rule of law, so to speak, right. that the denomination lays down, um, rather than you know uh, being a citizen of a of a, a country whose government says you must do X, Y, and Z, and here are the consequences for doing that. So. Um, and, and that's not to take any anything away from the denomination and local church life. I, you know, I think in some ways it probably means more to people than sure. the government. But um, you know, it's it's. I, I think some of it sometimes is uh, for some lady is well. You know, I really don't understand all that stuff, so I'm just going to ignore it yeah. and hope for the best. Because if we start. You know, it, they think if I start wading into this, I'm going to have to learn all these acronyms mm. and learn what everybody does. And it's just way too complicated. So I'll just wait and see what the pastor tells me that comes out of this. So Yeah, and we re- trust the pastors to be able to interpret. But many times the pastors are doing the same thing as the laity, which is to say, either I don't understand this or I'm too scared about it and feel like it's going to cause trouble. So I'm just not going to talk about it. And that, yeah. for me, is where I'm struggling because I don't see that as uh, faithful. And, I, I mean, there is – there is uh, the train is coming. There is a general conference in 2019. It will, it will mean very significant changes for the way that the denomination functions. Now, maybe the, most people in most local churches won't feel that. I have trouble believing that. Um, and, 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 and my worry is that come 2019, things are going to change really radically and people – are going to be surprised by it in ways that lead to complete chaos. Um, that doesn't mean that's the whole message. In fact, the whole message is making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But um, and, and until we figure out how to how to balance that work of the local church, which really is the most important, with the fact that the denominational work matters, we're going to keep having uh, chaos, keep talking past each other, and when the time comes for us to uh, to to basically fish or cut bait, people are not going to know what to do. I was thinking about the way forward the other day. What what I mean, what do you think would be the worst outcome that came out of that? Um. So I'm speaking as someone. I, I have two answers to that. I All think right. chaos wise, I think um, no clear solution. Yeah, is the worst answer. Because then we'll get to the general conference, and um, we'll just we'll we'll disintegrate, we'll disintegrate. Um, and there's no matter what the resolution, what what the recommendation is of the commission, that's still possible because the general conference could agree not to pass it. Um, mm-hmm. That's one. Yeah. For me, the thing I worry about, uh, I don't think this is likely, but I could be wrong. The thing I worry about is someone who has LGBT members and who. Uh, believes in full inclusion of LGBTQ folk is that the worst possibility is that they say the 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 commission says to churches and clergy who believe in full inclusion that we need to leave hmm. because not everybody in my church like I I really worry about having to make I mean having to decide whether to let's say marry gay folks that's one thing. Um, that's a difficult issue, but it's one thing. Having to decide which denomination your church is going to be in, yeah, that's, I mean, that 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 is a recipe for a lot of heartache. Yeah. I kind of think if they just decide to keep doing what we're doing, I mean, I think to a degree, or just, or just lay out some recommendations that are just 
Meh. that have no, no teeth yeah. yeah, or meat to it. I think that's probably, at least in my mind, the, the worst scenario. Because, I, I mean, yeah. I, think, I think to a degree, waiting is the hardest part, right? Yeah. At least, no matter what the outcome is, if it's decisive, at least we have some sense of direction, whether it be split or stay together or these are, you know, here's what we're going to do now rather than then just, well, we're just going to kick the can down the road again and, and see what happens. I, I, I think that's probably the worst I think you're right. that can come I think, out of this. I think that's unlikely based on what I've seen. I mean, I, ha- having been in that room and have I mean, you could have, you could swim in the tension in that room. I mean, you could swim in it. And I just don't think it's possible to continue on the way we've continued. I really don't. There's too much division, too much tumult, too much societal change. Um, and I think too much nudging by the Holy Spirit. Now you can argue what that means and in which direction, but um, I, I don't think it's going to stay put. Um, I just hope we, whatever we do, we do intentionally um, because there have been several times over the course of the last several quadrennia where the church is almost split without that plan, and that would have been terrible. Have you? I, I looked at uh, the article that was posted the other day about the what was it, the most recent meeting that the Way Forward yeah. Committee had? Did you? It, it seemed to me like everybody was talking in really cryptic. Like, I, I, it it seemed like it would probably be good for there not to be an article at all. Like, I, I just <laughs> I felt like we were just like it was a bunch of nothing. Yeah. I, I couldn't really make head, heads or tails of it. That's by design. They want to signal that they're progressing. They put an uh, a, an article out today. Um, we can share in the show notes, <laughs> such as they are. But they put out a presentation today that didn't give solutions but described their process and included a helpful video from Tom Berlin about some ideas he's had about ways to loosen the connection in some ways but still keep us connected to the vine. That's his language. Um that uh, they they are th- what I've read is that they plan to present this to the Council of Bishops first before it goes public, whatever they decide to do. Um, but from everything I know, from the people I know who were in that room, and I know two or three of them, um, they 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 feel like they're really doing productive work. It's difficult, um, and not obviously there's not unanimity, um, but they feel like they're working even in, in with disparate and different understandings of Scripture. Um, working with some unity, um, and they have some hope because they really want the church to stay together, but they also recognize that it has got to change, um, and not just because of the sexuality issue, but because we are so top-heavy as a denomination. It keeps us from doing anything um, that requires being nimble. Um, So that's all to say, yeah, there's a lot of, like, uh, obfuscation there. That's not a fair word. There's a lot of uh, vagueness there, but um, the the people I know in that room are 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 not interested in the status quo. They want to take this as an opportunity to to, to fix fix the way we operate. So that gives me hope. It'd be funny if uh, you know when they announce their uh, uh, findings or recommendations. You'll you'll kind of know how radical it is because whoever you know is a spokesperson or uh, man or woman will get up to the podium and say, "Okay, everybody, sit down. Let's everybody chill and grab a lime rita." Um, and let's talk about this. See, I was good with it until you named the specific drink. <laughs> a zima. That's not any better. 
Was that a non-alcoholic drink? No, was it was a, not. It was just ha- mostly sugar. Can't say I ever had one. Good for you. Do you ever see, so this is off topic, but I think, I don't know why I feel like it's important. There was this um, thing, this thing that went around the internet like four or five years ago where people would get iced. Oh, that was Smirnoff ice. Right? Do you not remember yeah, that? Where so. like if you if you produced it in public, the person had to drink it, and there were like really creative ways of doing that. Yeah, yeah. Same idea as Zima. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think this is probably this means that we're nearing the end of this conversation. Well, uh, 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 let's see. I mean, let's drive it into the ground. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Along that same line of questioning, what what do you think the best outcome would be? Um, I, 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 my best outcome, I think, is not on the table. My best outcome is what we call the local option, um, the op- the opportunity for various conferences or jurisdictions or churches to loosen the restriction on uh, ordination and marriage for LGBTQ folk. Um, I say I don't think it's on the table because most of the conservative groups have basically come out and said, absolutely not. We will not live with that. Um, maybe some version of it's possible, um, but that would be my ideal because I'm not looking to change. I'm a, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty conservative person temperamentally. I'm not looking to change everybody's minds about this. Um, I mean, I, I think that's God's job my, to, to help us figure out where, where we need to land with it. My hope is just for some contextual flexibility. What I've said all along, I've said this in delegation meetings, I've said it in public, I've, I've written about it. The only, the, the, the biggest issue for me as someone who serves in a generally progressive area is that the church's stance on human sexuality and full inclusion hurts my evangelism. And as I want to reach out to younger folks, one of the first questions they ask is, do you welcome gay folks? And when I tell them we do, they're grateful, but we still struggle. I've had people who've not joined the church who've left because of the church's exclusionary stance. It hurts my yeah. evangelism. And so for me, that's the practical issue. That's more than you asked, but... I think in terms of the local church level, I, you know, I've been appointed to a church where we had same-sex couples and um, members of the LGBTQ community. And quite frankly, I hope that whatever is done, it allows clergy who find themselves in similar situations to speak proudly of the United Methodist Church once again. More often than not, I find myself apologizing sure. for what the United Methodist Church uh, says and does uh, to right. the LGBTQ community. And I want, I want, I want to be, I want to look them in the eye and tell them that they, they have a place. And to your point, it, it hurts evangelism. Uh, one of my colleagues was saying, um, you know, f- part of my, my duty is to baptize and to uh, be a minister and administer yep. the sacraments yep. and, and to marry and... I can't do that for this certain part of the, 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 this segment of the population. And that's crazy. Like we're, we're here to be decided to, to, to help, uh, invite every person into the life of the church and to just kind of dissect and divide up people into groups and to say, you can 
help serve this group but not this group, it's absurd. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. So I hope, I hope that something that, uh, that is positive comes out of this where we won't be apologizing for the church anymore. But, I mean, the part of this is, too, I mean, if there is some split, right, all these, all this hierarchy and the general agencies, I mean, at least in my view, it's going to make all of that, um, I won't say more irrelevant, but it will just, like, how, if, 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 let's just say there is a split, uh, a two-way or three-way split, where do those agencies align themselves? Well, and to, I mean, to your point, that's what makes this complicated is there's no easy answer because every answer from the local option, which is the like least disruptive all the way up to a whole, to like a split, has implications for the local church and the way we've done church through our agencies, through our denomination, and through each local congregation. So, you know, the, the, it's I think one reason that the United Methodists are the last to really get into this isn't just because we're more conservative than other mainline denominations, though we are. Um, I happen to like that. Um, and it's not just, you know, because of the nature of uh, the global church. It's it's because there's no easy way to do this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, church is not going to be easy. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in a, you know, congregationalist denomination or, or otherwise. I mean, there's always going to be problems in the local church. It's full of people. That's why. This is where, well, that and, and, and we, as I said, you know, several times before, I mean, we, we, it's important because we, we deal with people and are there at some of the most meaningful points in their lives. And so of course it's, you know, of course people get emotional about it and, um, and that's not to say some of our fears are not uh, irrational, but um, it's important to people, and I, and I think for good reason sometimes. And, of course, change is hard, uh, I mean, especially with a structure this big. But uh, I'm, I'm not really sure just kicking the can down the road is, is really much of a solution either. Because it seems to me right now like nobody's happy just to keep, that's keep right. the status quo. That's exactly so. right. And, and so— while the whole process grieves me and it's really difficult, th- there's there's resurrection coming because we're really at an untenable place. And I am looking forward to living into whatever the new reality is because I have to think that it's going to give us new possibilities for reaching new people. I really believe that. Hey, we found a hopeful way to end. Yeah, that works. Oh, look, Dalton, nice. it's uh, uh, our, our favorite church secretary is here, Edna, the, the church secretary who can't do her job. She just wah, popped in. Wah. Oh, I should have added some sound effects. Like every time you said your name, like a chicken noise or something. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Make that. Uh, we've got to open this up. Or like a boing. Doesn't every radio show have that? Yeah, absolutely. We did get some uh, some mail a couple weeks we ago. Did. You didn't see it? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, you did. It was from... Uh, I don't, uh, uh, Brad. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he was he was saying uh, he listens and um, thanks, Brad. Yeah, it obviously, it's way too much time on his hands, but uh, uh, thanks and and told us to keep going and you know him and his 
three cats listen. And uh, <laughs> so it's terrible. Uh, We're going to lose half our listenership because you said that. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, Just don't insult Jay, no, I mean, and then we'd yeah, have nobody left. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, he said some nice things. So yeah, that's true. In all seriousness, thanks. Yeah, thanks for appreciate it. for for listening. Uh, uh, maybe we'll start charging for this and okay. and, and at least get you know two dollars out of it. Nice. So better than nothing, I guess. All right. Uh, ideas for next time. Nope. Uh, I don't know. Somebody send us something because we're really please. After, after f- almost 40 episodes, we're we're struggling. And Matt and I just moved in June, and we're both brain dead. So help us out. Help a brother out. It's so quiet in my office now. It's like I, I can't get used to this. I'm used to people, like, being drunk and shouting outside. And I, I just, it's like. Is that from your this... time on? Is that from your time on conference staff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just can't get any work done with all this quiet around here. So, anyway, all right. Uh, well, thanks for listening, and thanks, folks. Uh, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks, folks. Take care. Bye. Bye.